following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap. Good evening, everybody. Oh, yeah. How's that 105 heat digit today? How'd that feel? Pretty good? I'll tell you what, we have, uh, you know what? I, I think I would take that over that snow Megadon back in February. I'll take a little heat. I can stay in the kitchen. You can't get in the kitchen when everything's froze up and the lights are all off. And you can't even go to Denny's or anywhere. You just gotta fast. And I don't mind fasting, I just don't like forced fast. You know what I'm saying? I wanna eat when I want to. It's an honor to see all of you tonight. It really, really is. And I am delighted for the great report on Pastor Kelly. I hear his... You know, he is a devout Denver Bronco fan. And, and, and when I went to see him yesterday, uh, I, uh, I took a picture, I took a film of me, somebody made a film of me introducing him in the service Sunday. And... Uh, and then John sent him a message. John Elway went into the minister's office in the, gray, in the green room and made him a message. And, and I promise you, yesterday was like Christmas to Pastor Kelly. Amen. If you think Jesus is the only thing that stirs preachers up, amen. You let somebody like that walk in the house and we're all saying, wow, 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 wow. But what a joy. Kelly had a great day yesterday. I think he's had a little struggle today. But he's just, he's just getting better every day. Every day is better, better, better because God's for him and he's going to be all right. And it's no surprise to me that his precious wife is in the house tonight and her son and her daughter-in-law are in the house tonight. And it's an honor to have them and it's an honor to have you. And if you're a first-time guest here, we welcome you. I met some people at the door. Yes, that's me at the door greeting you because I want everybody to know that you're welcome in this house personally. I personally want you to know you're welcome in this house. Now, last Wednesday night, we started a series called the Old Corn of Canaan Month. We're doing it for a whole month. And what it is, it's messages that I have preached in my life that I've enjoyed preaching. I've enjoyed them. It's old corn. It's old corn. You know, it's an amazing thing that we can sing the same songs 47 times and every time we hear that song, it blesses us. But when somebody preaches a sermon that maybe they think, somebody think they might have preached before, say, oh my God, I've heard that before. Isn't it amazing how a song like Amazing Grace can bless you for 87 years? And a message preached twice, oh God, I'm gonna get out of here because I've already heard that. No, 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 no. The word is forever settled in heaven. Come on now. I'm gonna read you a verse here. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So, when you start eating corn, when you start eating corn, manna's going to cease. And I want this church to be eaters of the word of God. I want you to be stronger than milk. I want you to have meat in your life. And God wants to give you great, great things. Would you stand your incredible people? On Saturday, right here in this auditorium at one o'clock, Cleo Wilkinson's funeral will be. Cleo is Keith Wilkinson's mom. 
They were members of this church for a long time. In fact, they greeted me when I came 31 years ago to this place. And they were so faithful, so precious, so beautiful in their spirit. Never, never, never once did I have to worry about them. They were no, 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 no problem people. Just absolutely the salt of the earth. Last year, we, uh, we buried Brother Wynn. And this year, Sister Cleo passed. Both of them were in their 90s. They lived long, fruitful, beautiful lives. And we're going to honor that on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And uh, we'd like for you to come if you'd like to come because it is somebody that we honor and respect so highly. So we're telling you about it. Pastor Brad's grandmother, our, our executive pastor, it's his grandmother. So God bless all of you. Thank you for the attention to that. So tonight I'm going to speak on something that I loved preaching in 2006. 15 years ago, I preached it here. How many was here in 2006? All right, put your hands down. That's six of us. Amen. <laughs> and you won't remember this because it's not something perhaps you enjoyed, but I enjoyed preaching it. So I'm going to preach what I enjoyed. This is my night, okay? It's my night. <laughs> I'm going to speak tonight on how to be sure you are sure. How to be sure that you're sure. Turn to somebody and say, we need to be sure. I think he's going to preach about that tonight. Second <laughs> Peter chapter 1, wherewith or wherefore the Father, where, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall not fall. Wherefore the rather, brethren. Give diligence to making your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall not fall. How to be sure that you are sure. You may be seated, you're incredible people. You know, I think we ought to be absolutely certain about some things in life. Christians should not represent a question mark with our head all bent over. But an exclamation point, standing straight and tall and pointing to the sky. We shouldn't be a doubting Christian. We should be a declaring Christian. Not a hope so, but a no so child of God. We must make our calling and election sure. I'm going to read tonight, tonight from the first chapter of the second epistle of Simon Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to them that have obtained the precious faith that he has. Simon was his before Christ's name, and Peter was his after salvation name. Simon means unstable. Remember, Jesus said, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. It's something unstable. Wheat blows when the wind blows. Then later, Jesus said, Cephas, Peter, you are like a rock. So Simon the unstable became Cephas or Peter the rock. And that's what I want all of us to become like a rock. And I'm not talking about that Chevy commercial. I'm talking about like a rock in Christ, stable and sound and steady and firm and foundational. 
Simon Peter said, I am writing to those who have obtained this like precious faith that I have received from the Lord. Meaning, you have the same kind of faith that Peter has today when you have that kind of faith. It's precious faith. Remember, in 1 Peter, he said, we are not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but by the precious blood of Jesus. So it was precious blood. And now we put our faith in the precious blood and it becomes precious faith. It becomes precious faith. When our astronauts first went to the moon, one of the astronauts who walked on the moon was later being interviewed. And he was asked, when you were walking on the moon, on the surface of the moon and looking back at the planet Earth, what were you thinking about? And he said, I thought that machine that's supposed to take me back to Earth was built by the lowest bidder. Listen, I want to tell you that your faith and salvation was not purchased by the lowest bidder but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That ought to make you get happy right here, right now. And it won't take you from the moon to the earth, but it'll take you from earth all the way to heaven one day. There's nothing like the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now with that in mind, I wanna mention some things to you that will give you confidence. I wanna give you confidence here tonight. I want to mention some things that will help you say, I know that I know, and I am sure that I am sure. I am giving diligence to make my calling and election sure. So I've got three basic points here tonight. First of all, faith that leads to confidence is faith that knows. Everybody say knows. Second Peter chapter one, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everybody say knowledge. knowledge. It's used at least nine times in this chapter. And knowledge is used 16 times in this short book, First and Second Peter, eight chapters in all. Over and over again, Peter is talking about knowing and having knowledge. Now to have confidence, you have got to know something. You have to know something. Assurance does not come out of simply feeling something. It's knowledge. It's knowing something. Knowledge in verse 2 is a special knowledge. It's a Greek epinosis. It means super knowledge. Epinosis means super knowledge. Epi is where we get epic, which means great and super. And gnosis means knowledge. It's super knowledge. Listen. He's not just talking about knowledge that says, I know that's a piano, and this is a lectern, and that's a chair, and that's a light. He's not talking about intellectual knowledge, but super knowledge, which is experiential knowledge. In other words, it's a knowledge that you will experience from the Word of God and from the presence of God. Amen. Paul said that I may know him. Philippians 3, I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. See, the more you know about him, 
the better you will know him. The more you know about him, the better you'll know him. Daniel in 11, chapter 11 said, people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We need to get to know Jesus in this hour like we've never known him in our life. Not just to come to church and say, I'm empty, fill me up, but no, I wanna know him. I wanna know him like I've never known him in my life. Say amen to that. So whether it be by John, Paul, Simon, Peter, or Daniel, they talk about knowing him. You see, we know him by faith now, but when we get to heaven, (laughs) I'm going to meet someone face to face whom I have known heart to heart for a long, long time. Meeting John Elway Sunday, I told him I've been your friend for 40 years. I really have. I followed him in college. Been his friend a long time. And he met his best friend that he never knew Sunday. (laughs) And one day, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna meet my best friend that I've known in my heart for all these years. Come on, somebody, help me preach now. So, Pastor, what does this super knowledge bring? First of all, it brings pardon. Everybody say pardon. We all need to be pardoned. Look at verse two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Folks, everything with Jesus starts with grace. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight said, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. A pardon comes through the grace of God and not only a pardon, but also peace. This is always God's process. First grace and then peace. First grace, the Bible is very exact. There's nowhere in the Bible is it listed as peace and grace, nowhere. It's always grace and peace. You cannot know the peace of God until you experience the grace of God. Amen. How? Through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna go somewhere, hang with me. So we have pardon through the knowledge of the Lord. We have peace through the knowledge of the Lord. We have power through the knowledge of the Lord. Power, really? Second Peter one and three said, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Everybody say has given. Unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that was called, has called us to glory and virtue. How? Through the knowledge of him. Now listen. This is faith that is rooted in knowledge. If I were to ask, how many need more peace? How many need more love? How many need more strength? How many need more wisdom? How many in this house need more courage? But the verse says, God has given unto us all things. I'm gonna put on the screen, has, not shall. He already has given us all those things. They're not on their way. They're already been given to you. You just need to pick them up and start using them in your life. All things that to pertain to life and godliness, everything you need to live the Christian life, you have it if you have the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, because they are all in him and he in, is in us. Hear me tonight. The enemy does not want you to learn what you have in the Lord. The devil wants to keep you in darkness. What did that Pharaoh do in Egypt when the Israelites, they felt like we're going to leave? 
the Pharaoh said, hey, we got to do something because they're stronger than us. They're smarter than us. They're mightier than us. And we are their, and, and, and the Israelites were their captive. Here's what I want to tell you. There's no sense in people of God having less instead of more of what God has for you. Amen. When a baby elephant is trained to be a work animal or a show animal, that baby elephant is chained to an iron bar driven deep in the ground. And when the little elephant tries to move around, he quickly learns there is no way possible he can move around. So when he is grown, they put a chain. They don't put a chain, just a rope. No iron bar, just a short wooden stake in the ground, about eight or 10 inches. And he could pull it out right now if he wanted to because he's a grown animal, but he never tries. You know why? Because history says he can't. So in his mind, he can't. Hear me. He is not limited by the facts. He's limited only by his mind. Same is true with you and me. The me I see is the me I will be. I am tired of having the facts and not having the fun with the facts. I'm tired of people living under instead of over. I'm tired of people saying I can't make it when you are making it. I'm tired of people saying the devil's got my number when he don't even know you have a telephone. I'm sick and tired of people saying, Pastor, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It's all right here. You can. If I think I'm limited, then I'm limited. If I think I am free and unbound, then I am free and unbound. I hope that's happened to you. I just got excited over that. You know, they opened King Tut's tomb. 3,000 years old and they found some corn seed. And they thought, this is so neat. And they finally got permission from the government to plant it. And they planted 3,000-year-old seed and it produced a better harvest than they was planting in their crops. It was a bumper crop. You know why? Because this word is forever settled in heaven. And it doesn't mean, doesn't matter if it was written 2,000 years ago. I can open it up now and it's as new as tomorrow's newspaper. And it's as great as you'll ever read even now. Come on, don't let this become a mind thing. Let this become a word thing. And let's get some knowledge that God wants to give us in our hour of time right now. Look at verse four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Woo, divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now the promises are there, but if we don't know the precious promise, it's no good for us. Can't lay hold on what you don't know. Why are so many people living in corruption, filth, despair, and fear? Because they don't know the promises. They don't know them. The faith that makes you sure is a faith that knows pardon comes through knowledge, peace comes through knowledge, power comes through knowledge, and promises are claimed through knowledge. Verse four, by these we are partakers of the divine nature. We receive a divine nature when we're born again. Somebody say amen to that. And the word partaker means fellowship the divine nature. In other words, we get to fellowship the divine nature 
of the one that made us who we are. We're not just here fellowshipping people around us. We're fellowshipping the divine nature, which means the highest part of our nature comes to the surface when we worship the Christ of the cross. Somebody help me preach right now. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's nature that determines our conduct. Our behavior is determined by our nature. It's the eagle's nature to fly. It's a fish's nature to swim. It's a Christian's nature to live victorious. That's our nature. Your appetite is determined by your nature. A pig will eat anything others don't eat. A dog will eat anything others won't eat. It's a dog's nature. In fact, 2 Peter 2.22, I won't put it on the screen. It's an ugly scripture. But it happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own, you know what, vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. <laughs> Get this, God's people are neither hog nor dog. <laughs> I'm telling us that behavior and appetite are determined by our nature. Environment is also determined by our nature. Whatever your nature is, that's where you want to congregate. Squirrels climb trees together. Moles burrow into the ground. Armadillas dig holes and go in the ground. Fish swim in the water because that's their nature. And it's the nature of a child of God to walk in godliness. You're going against the nature of God when you don't walk in the godliness that God has got for you. Association is determined by nature. Fish swim in schools. School of fish, cows run in herds, geese fly in gaggles, a flock of geese. Christian spirit-filled believers, saints want to be in fellowship in church. I think. If you have no desire to be in the house of God when it's church time, something's missing and something's messing with your nature. I'm thankful for Wednesday night people that come to church on Wednesday night around here. Come on. I'm happy for you. Woo. All is controlled by our nature. So the promises of God help us to be partakers of his divine nature. Now, all of this is wonderful. So if you want to be sure, you must have a faith that knows. Say knows. I want to know him. I want to know him. But you must also have a faith that grows. It's got to get bigger. Here's why many fail. First, faith that knows. And then here's verse 5. A faith that grows. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. And beside this, beside what? Besides knowing, give all diligence to add to your faith. And he gives seven things here. Everybody say virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Say knowledge. And temperance. And patience. And godliness. And brotherly kindness. And charity. Once you have this precious faith, the faith that knows must be the faith that grows. Mm. You know, some people that I have met in life, seriously, I don't think I've met many of them in this church, but some of them are still in that very first aptitude of faith. They've never added even virtue to their faith. They just faith, faith, faith. It's all about faith, faith, faith. Faith that knows must be a faith that grows. Growth is our responsibility and we must give diligence to it. You're not diligent about it. You're not growing. Simon Peter ends his book this way in 3 and 18. But grow in grace and in knowledge. Amen. 
You must have a faith that knows and one that grows. I'm going to have some self-talk here. I'm going to let you listen to me. I'm going to have some self-talk. This is the kind of talk I have sometime. And you're not, you're not privileged to call me this, but I'm going to call myself this today. Don't you try it. I have to ask myself sometime, Rexydale Johnson, are you growing? Or are you just limping along? I talk to myself like this. People of this church deserve to have a better pastor this year than they had last year. Are you better than last year? Self-talk. And I got to be better next year than this year. There's a song that says the best is yet to come. Am I going to be better? Or am I going to be worse? Which way am I going? My wife deserves a better husband this year than last year. Not one with more hair, just a better husband. <laughs> and God deserves a better servant in his kingdom this year than last year. Am I growing, am I growing Christian? Am I growing in my Christianity? Am I, am I moving forward? Am I growing? Or do I just know it and not grow it? How am I doing? We're not just a stick stuck in the ground. When a man ceases to be better, he ceases to be good. Given all diligence means don't let anything keep you from it. What are these that I call character qualities? Let's take a look. I'm going to go through them real quick. Are you growing in virtue? That means are you growing in moral excellence? How's your morality? Greek is fulfilling the purpose for which it was made, the virtue. That's the Greek word there. Ground that produces a good crop is, to be, is called virtuous ground. Are you good virtuous ground? Are you good soil? Are you growing in your moral habits? Then add knowledge. But this is ordinary knowledge. This is actually practical knowledge. It's just what I call common sense. Some people are so spiritual on this earth that they're no good for this earth. They're always talking about heaven, heaven, heaven. But if they're not careful, they're going to go run slap past heaven and miss it. But they're spiritual. You don't need to be that. You need to be growing in that and understanding you've got a calling here. If God's through with you, he takes you home. If God's not through with you, he wants to keep you right here. Right. As a lead balloon. Add temperance. Everybody say temperance. Literally, that means self-control. Are you out of control? Are you a person who loves and loses your temper? No control over sexual desires. No control over your habits and appetites. That's temperance. Add temperance. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that rules his spirit than he that takes the city. That's temperance. He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. The devil will trample on everything you have if you don't have temperance in your life. In fact. If you look in the book of Revelation, there's 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem. And the 12th foundation, the stone, is the temperance stone. It's amethyst. That means temperance. So everything in heaven is built on temperance. You've got to have temperance in your life. I'm not going to ask for it, but I, I think the Lord deserves a hand clap on that one right there. Now. The fourth one is patience. It's the fulcrum of the seesaw. <laughs> when I read this, I said, this is the one you need to work on, Rexydale. Patience. Most of us are not patient. We want everything now or yesterday. Microwaves aren't fast enough anymore. You know that's the truth. 
Our forefathers got upset if they missed a stagecoach back in the day. And they'd turn to their friends and loved ones and say, well, I'd have to wait on another. It's next month, but I'll be here next month to catch the next one. We get upset if we miss a right turn or a green light. We get upset if we have to stand in line behind one person at Walmart. Or wait on a table in a restaurant. Now listen. What this word literally means is to bear up under persecution. It's not irritations. This patience is not about irritations. It's persecution. Some of you don't even have patience. (laughs) With irritations, what are you going to do when persecution hits you? Don't throw in the towel. If the trouble you're having is coming from God, praise him. If the trouble you're having is coming from the devil, praise God. Then the devil will see that what he's doing is causing you to praise God even more. And he'll have to say, I got to find somebody else. I can't take that one down. Come on, let's have some patience in our life. Let's have some patience in our life. I think I had some people leave the church in 06 when I preached this. I don't know what I'm teasing. Number five, add godliness. Everybody say godliness. godliness. Let the light shine on you and in you. Godliness, let God shine through. Just let him shine through. Our righteousness is filthy rags, but we are covered with his righteousness. Let him shine through us. Number six is add brotherly kindness. Love your brother. Sister, love your sister. This is kindness that supersedes natural kindness. It's second mile kindness. There's a story in the Bible that talks about if a man asks you to go one mile, would you go with him twice, two miles? If somebody sues you for your cloak, give him your coat also. Somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. It's two mile people in a one mile world. We're losing that in America. And I think sometimes we're losing that in churches. A people that just don't want to go that extra mile. I'm going to take care of me and mine and don't worry about me, pastor. We're going to be just fine. But we got others that need us to pick up the load for them. We need some some two mile people in some one mile world today. Amen. And then the last is add charity. Actually, agape love is what that word is there. Add charity, add that love, which is loving everybody, not just brotherly kindness. Love says, I will do you good regardless of what you do to me. And that love says, I will not give you what you deserve, but what you need. We need people. Every church needs people that will love unconditionally. Amen. So give diligence to these things, seven qualities, God's number. And last of all, not only is faith that knows, faith that grows, but it's a faith that shows. There's something about that person. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something he just got, she just got that it. It doesn't seem like nothing bothers them. You've you've seen people like that. They just walk through life. They get hit in the face with car wash. They walk through mud. They come out on the other side saying, well, my, 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 got to clean my shoes up. And you say, well, whatever, what gets them down? I tell you, when you know it, come on, and you grow it, you're going to show it. Faith can be seen. I tell our staff all the time, Randy, if you'll come and help me. I've gone a little past time. Uh, I, I, tell, I tell our staff all the time, every time you walk into a restaurant, every time you walk into a place of business, you're probably going to see somebody in there that goes to this church. Now, they're not going to come up and tell you, especially if you're acting goofy. 
and you're mean and mean-spirited, I tell the staff this. But they're going to see you and they're going to say, hmm, I think he works at Christian life. When you walk in there, be better in there than you are in here. Because these people that gather here make us all happy. We need to be our best when we're walking out there. Showing the world that we know a faith and we're growing our faith and we're showing our faith. And God's for us. Second Peter chapter 1, 8 through 10 said, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. I know we're free moral agents and we're free will people and God gave us that. But God gave us a promise here. If we do these things, you will not fall. It's about faith, folks. Everybody say, Pastor, I want to know that faith. I want to grow that faith. And I want to show it all the days of my life. If you don't have these things, the Bible said you're blind. It's possible to be saved and forget what you used to be like and become blinded by your past. I don't ever want to forget the pit he dug me out of. Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's carried me through a lot of deep water, over some high mountains, through some low, low valleys. Oh, that I might know him. And in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I want to grow. I want to grow in him. So your pastor has self-talks pretty regular. I walk in this building and have self-talks. I don't want to be barren. I don't want to be unfruitful. I want people to see the Jesus that I preach in my life, even though they don't know I'm a pastor when they see me. I was at a restaurant the other day, a real nice restaurant. I took the guys every now and then. I really spruce them up good and take them to a good place. We went to the Cheesecake Factory. I knew you'd be asking where it was, you know. Your mind goes crazy. Where'd he take them? Where'd he take them? And I'm fixing to leave, and this wonderful young man walks up and says, Hey, Pastor Rex, how you doing? I said, Man, I'm fine. He said, He had his mask on. He said, I'm a member of your church. I'm general manager of this store. And I hugged him big time. I said, You know, I give hugs. He said, Yeah, I'll take one right now. And he hugged me, and I hugged him. You got to know it and grow it to show it. But God's got something great for this church. 
if we just walk in perspective with him in our faith. Stand to your feet, you're incredible people. Incredible people. I enjoyed preaching that 15 years ago. I enjoyed ministering it tonight. Lift your hands all over the house. I want to pray with you. We're going to be back here Sunday for a great time in the Lord. Dear Father, I love you tonight. I thank you for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for your care and your concern. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. And thank you that you loved me first. Thank you that you loved me first. And all I have to do is reciprocate, that's it. I just have to say, I love you back. Bless every person in this house and let everybody feel and know and believe that they can grow their faith. They can know their faith and they can grow their faith and they can walk through this world showing that they are unique and special in the kingdom of God without opening their mouth. Now bless us and watch over us and take care of us and bless people that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Let them be filled here tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And for your glory. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody say amen. amen. One more time, amen. Clap yeah. your hands real big for the word tonight. Clap your hands real big for the word tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So happy to be your pastor. Thought I'd share that with you before you leave. Leave slowly. Come back quickly. We'll see you Sunday. Have a blessed, blessed, blessed day. God bless you.